Promotional consideration paid for by the following. StevieRichardsFitness.com It's a brand new year, so make a brand new you by joining the SRF Resistance today. Russo'sBrand.com Get the real shoot from the most controversial personality in wrestling, Vince Russo. ProWrestlingTees.com Get the coolest merchandise from your favorite independent pro wrestling talents worldwide. Head over to ProWrestlingTees.com and enjoy your 20% discount for the first five days of the new year and support indie wrestling today. GetAcreGold.com the online subscription service that delivers gold discreetly to your front door. Grow your gold stash using the affiliate link getacregold.com backslash horseman to start your subscription. Make sure to follow them on Twitter at get underscore acre and tell them the Hami Media Group sent you for an opportunity to win a free gold bar. The following program is presented by the HTM Podcast Network. It is Tuesday, January 7th, 2020. You are tuned into Hitting the Playoffs here at the HTM Podcast Network online, hittingthemarks.com, as well as Hameen Media, hackerhameen.podbean.com. This week, we're presented by Get Acre Gold. Get at them at get underscore acre at Twitter for your chance to win a free gold bar. Just ask our loyal infidel follower, the new number two, the first gold bar winner, thanks to Hameen Media. Visit getacregold.com backslash horseman. For more details, my name is Jargo. I'll be your host for the day. That's my tag team partner. He's Big Stevie Cool, Stevie Richards. Stevie, welcome back to your show. Oh, it's a, it's your show. I'm just a co-host. Hey, let's let's let maybe tag team partner isn't right because this is one of the few non-wrestling shows on a Hameen uh, Media Group. What would we do this on a football on a football uh, scale? What would we call it? Our quarterback, wide receiver. Yeah, yeah, we can go with that. I was I'm a quarterback. I'm a, I was a DB in high school. Did, did you play football in high school? Field goal kicker. Didn't want to get hit. <laughs> and then I picked pro wrestling. So there, I really I really saved myself a lot of abuse. That's absolutely tremendous. Uh, Stevie, one of the first things that we're going to talk about is is this head coaching situation down in Dallas. And I keep hearing this, this narrative from Dallas Cowboys fans that Jason Garrett just was not a motivator. You have been in athletic competition for years decades at this point do you have like anything that you do to get you motivated before you go through the curtain do you have like a special warm-up song do you, do you just psych yourself up in the corner are you over there meditating doing stevie richards fitness what what are you doing before you go through the curtain I, well every wrestler does stevie richards fitness you see a lot of them with bands bands are the easiest way to for anybody really before a wrestling match to warm up so it was kind of like an easy thing to, to kind of like work out with outside of warming up I, my, my whole thing was, I just, I want to avoid, and this is something that maybe you don't deal with in football. I never wanted to be politically distracted. If that makes any sense whatsoever, just don't bother me. Don't try to get in my head. It's stressful enough without you guys playing your games in WWE or TNA or wherever. I just want to concentrate on having the safest match possible. Not, not remembering spots or anything, but just, let me get in ahead and have some fun because, you know, but 
wrestling's a, wrestling's a lot different than football. Football, I think, requires more uh, camaraderie, more team building stuff. Although in the pros, it's weird. It's very weird in the pros because when you're getting that much money and you're playing for new contracts for more money, potentially to be good enough to get at least get franchise tagged. What not that a motivation enough to set yourself up for generational health and wealth, more wealth, more than health. And also if, if you're wanting to do anything outside radio broadcast and kind of what we're trying to kind of audition for every week. now, it, It's very weird that you need to look to a coach or a hierarchy or uh, a chain of a command to make you want to play better. We, we always heard about Paul Heyman and ECW that he would give like the locker room rah-rah speeches. Was there anybody like that at the WWE where there was somebody like just trying to hype up the boys before the show started? Never. No, no, no. I mean, there'd be things like when the pyro goes off, people would, I, it was a different era too. Like this is when you could have fun they, they, back when playing video games was not allowed, but guys did it because it was fun. There was, there's different things. You didn't have to stay till the end of house shows. You could drive the other 250 miles to get to the next town because when you're there back then, at least when I first started and before it changed over, it was like you worked all the territories or you worked the independence or you worked a bunch of different places. So when you got there, it was, it was assumed just like the NFL that you're a pro. But I think that's shifted in wrestling and football, hasn't it? Where now Des Bryant of recent history needed a babysitter to not get in trouble. Jameis, for all we know, on the uh, Jameis Winston uh, on the down low might have needed the same ba- babysitting services. Um, Johnny Ace, we used to have talent meetings. <laughs> and I'm sure they have these. This might be a good segue to the Jason Garrett thing because you have these talent meetings. And it's pretty much like whatever 90% of whatever town meeting is. You guys are doing this wrong, this wrong, this wrong. I'll do my Johnny Ace voice since I'm sort of there anyway. So you guys are doing all this wrong and this. You got to stop. Got to hold the tag rope. Got to do like all this minutia bullshit. And then it'd be like 10 seconds of silence. Everybody like, is he done fucking burying us for the past hour? And he's like, okay, everybody go out there and have fun. Go and have fun. It's like. That's what I think the Jason Garrett thing becomes white noise. Like, all right, we're going to be, he's going to do whatever for an hour. And then he's going to coach claps, going to clap his hands. Have fun out there, guys. And we'll just go play. And so now they're going to replace coach clap with another coach clap. Mike McCarthy hired as the new coach of the Dallas Cowboys. And I got to tell you, Stevie, as a Packers fan, there is nobody in the league that is more boring than Mike McCarthy. <laughs> what would we call him? Uh, since he's so big, call him like Ch- Coach Chips and Salsa or something. Well, another Paul Heyman reference. He is the walrus, especially when he grows out the mustache. He kind of looks like a walrus. So you have more intimate information and trends and all that stuff on Mike McCarthy. I'm assuming by your reaction that this is not the motivator <laughs> that you were looking for. Well, I mean, he's just boring. I mean, you look at this Dallas offense and how high-powered it should be, and when I think of the Green Bay Packers, I mean, yeah, granted, under his tenure, it was Brett Favre, it was Aaron Rodgers, and the reason that they could never get along was because they're both improvisers. Something goes crazy, 
They're just going to take off running and they're going to chuck the ball down the field. And it drove Mike McCarthy absolutely insane. He's like, he's so structured and he wants everything prim and proper. He's very much like Tom Coughlin. He's a very old school kind of coach. That's just not what I imagine for the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, we're hearing Urban Meyer. We're hearing Lincoln Riley. We're somebody who's going to come in there and just light that locker room on fire. We're, they're going to get their own Paul Heyman. But no, they, they got Mike McCarthy. Yeah, but Urban Meyer and Lincoln Riley also uh, have pretty much owned the entire colleges that they they coached at or currently coach at. Now, you don't see the uh, headmaster or whatever you call the the president of the college or university coming down to Lincoln Riley or saying that the kicker is not going to be evaluated next week. These are things, the autonomy that Urban Meyer, I think what we're looking at here is not the boring versus exciting, not the motivating versus lack of motivation. It is basically who can I put in there to basically be the physical human flesh vessel of Jerry Jones and just be the puppet on the ventriloquist lap. When I think back to Mike McCarthy's tenure with the Green Bay Packers, and I challenge any Packers fan to try to do this, think of one press conference, one line that Mike McCarthy had. He's just the most was that boring. Before or after the massage, before or after he got the massage. No, there is that. <laughs> but I mean, th this is Jerry Jones's wet dream. Like this guy has no personality at all. Jerry gets to be the face of the franchise. He gets to be the mouth of the franchise. And Mike McCarthy just wants to go coach football. But I am a little bit worried because there's almost like that AEW kind of nepotism going on here because he's bringing in Mike Nolan, who was the linebackers coach for the New Orleans Saints, to be his defensive coordinator. Mike Nolan hired Mike McCarthy as the offensive coordinator in 2005 in San Francisco. Like, is this a money grab where Mike McCarthy's going to go in there and, okay, now I want to bring in all of my friends and we're all going to get a big payday and hopefully we can win right now and we're out of here in five years? Well, isn't that what every coach does? I mean, you're even talking about Kellen Moore, who did some great stuff as offensive coordinator, being a rookie. He could stand to learn a lot from McCarthy, and McCarthy could probably, like, rather we have a thing in wrestling where we rather have too much energy and we can rein you in rather than try to motivate you to have something. Uh, what I, I would think he would embrace Kellen Moore. And as Jerry Jones, Kellen Moore is a former backup. Kellen Moore is somebody that Jason Garrett and the Jones family approved of. Is Kellen Moore somebody that Jerry agreed with Mike McCarthy prior to it? This is who stays. This is who goes. And maybe Jerry made the call like to do that because he can always put people in place to blame other than himself. Most importantly, Mike McCarthy impressed Jerry Jones. And we all know at the end of the day, that's the only guy that you have to impress against Dallas. Dallas was one in six against Mike McCarthy. Mike McCarthy owned the Dallas Cowboys. Um, in, in one-score games this season, Dallas 1-6, second-worst in the league, right behind the Cincinnati Bengals, who were 0-8. Since 2006, Mike McCarthy, 58 wins in one-score games, fourth-most in the NFL. Mike Tomlin, 72. Belichick was 68. Sean Payton was 62. McCarthy with 58. Oh, yeah, he also won that Super Bowl. And where was that Super Bowl played? At Dallas. 6-1 versus Jason Garrett, 8-3 overall versus Dallas. Jerry Jones wanted Mike McCarthy because Mike McCarthy owned the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, but there's uh, 
there's also outside of the Packers and the Cowboys, there's 30 other teams to worry about. You know, you know, you don't have to. You don't have to. I, I, I get what he's doing, but this is very short sighted by Jerry Jones. When you're building, you could have had a, a young coach in there, maybe a young coach, maybe maybe Urban Meyer, but you could have changed the landscape of pro football coaching and made it more like college coaching and given a guy a 10 or 20 year, you know, run possibly, you know, you have your ups and downs, but also college, college coaches are, I think are way better recruiting, meaning you, you get, you can talk to draft picks about coming and try to try to get them to agree and all that stuff. Or even if somebody who they knew from the alma mater, right? We're going to talk about Tom Brady, I'm sure, and talk about the possibility of him going to somebody who owns a team who's from Michigan. So it's it's a lot of different stuff. I just think that it's so funny how it, we keep saying it re- resembles wrestling, and specifically Jerry Jones resembles Vince McMahon. In this vein, this is like, you know, is it, and here's another thing really quick, Mike. Do you think Jerry Jones is bringing in Mike McCarthy to kind of sabotage him like when Vince bought WCW so he can make it look like you're not that smart. I don't know, man, this dude, this dude does so many different things that have nothing to do with winning football games. I guess my question is, as I look at this Cowboys roster, you bring in somebody like Mike McCarthy, Mike McCarthy has won a Super Bowl, So he has that credibility. He knows it can be done. Does this Cowboys roster stack up? Like, is this a Super Bowl roster for the Dallas Cowboys? Like, it seems like Jerry Jones is in this full-on, we have to win, we have to win now, not later. So we're going to bring in a Super Bowl experience head coach to go with this already loaded roster. And I look at that roster, and I just don't think it's that loaded. No, not necessarily. And let's not forget that Dak Prescott still doesn't have a contract. Exactly. Are they going to franchise tag him? Uh, I don't think he'd be happy with that. Are they going to pay him $40 million or $35 million a year, which is also going to make it hard to build around him? And this is the fallout, right? Like He has that fail-safe now. We're bringing you in, so we're going to, we're going to franchise tag you, Dak, because we want to see how you're going to work with McCarthy. So you, we want to give you that long-term contract, but you know, since we're bringing in this other coach, we're going to franchise tag you and see how this works out for a year. I think so. A couple of comments. Uh, the comments are coming in. Thank you, everybody. We got 10 people in the chat room with no notice, so that's good. Uh, Jerry Jones is a lunatic with FU money. Jerry Jones is out of his mind. Uh, both things are true. Yeah. He just wants to you know, I go back to the 90s. He wants to win, and there's Odin crying, and if you can hear that, and <laughs> so your family would be happy to hear Odin is uh, part of the show. He would rather sacrifice Super Bowl victories to hopefully get credit for a future one than keep Jimmy Johnson, who could have – how many more Super Bowls did they have in the 90s in them under Jimmy? They got one with Barry Switzer, and then by default it all kind of fall apart because, once again, what was Barry Switzer? What was Barry Switzer not that Jimmy Johnson was? He was a motivator, and he was especially a disciplinarian. People, People feared Jimmy Johnson. They're not going to fear Mike McCarthy, and they didn't fear Jason Garrett. They sure didn't fear him in Green Bay, that's for sure. Uh, They also interviewed Marvin Lewis, uh, as well as Jeff Fisher. The Marvin Lewis one I find very, very interesting. Do you think Marvin Lewis got a legitimate interview, or do you think this was just to fulfill the Rooney rule? 
just to fulfill the Rooney role because he has some kind of stench on him from so many seasons with Cincinnati, but nobody realizes that he is an excellent defensive coach, which I think that's what they need. Yeah. And a defensive head coach would have been Leslie Frazier is the same thing. Uh, defensive coaches, but Jerry looks at it like that's not box office. Even though defenses can win championships, the Ravens proved that. Now they got Lamar as a bonus. Uh, you know, with the Cowboys, that's not sexy enough for Jerry Jones. As I think about Marvin Lewis, I think I would have been much happier with this hire of Mike McCarthy if they would have brought Marvin Lewis in as the defensive coordinator. There's still a possibility, but then people say that Marvin Lewis wouldn't take the job. Yeah. And to me, I'm like, why not? Right. Like he's waiting for a head coaching position. Why not be a defensive coordinator and have insane stats for a season or two and then get a head coaching job that would a team that has a really good defense that you can coach up? Well, they were supposed to have a really good defense. Now, I, I question if they're a really good defense or a really overrated defense because they did not show up this year. A lot of those guys already got paid. Maybe they're running around with too much money in their pockets. Well, it's yeah, that's going to come up with the Brady thing, too, I think. But what's the stigma when somebody gets their money and then they become soft in a way? Like, they, I got my money, I'm done. It's the same pattern that repeats itself over and over and over again. And you would think that once you get your money, now you're saying, now I want to be in the Hall of Fame. I want to be in a Super Bowl and I want to be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I agree. And especially Ezekiel Elliott, because when I look at all those Green Bay teams, you know what they never had? A running game. They do now. They do now. <laughs> right, but not under McCarthy. I mean, that's the thing. Even under McCarthy, at no point did they ever rank in the top 10 rushing attempts. You've got to feed Zeke that ball. That's the only way Dak Prescott wins games. It, look at Dak's record when Ezekiel Elliott goes for under 100 yards. It's awful. Well, there was also, you know, let's go, we can blame McCarthy for someone like Eddie Lacy. How many? How much weight did Eddie Lacy gain? He looked really good and let himself go. And I think that's part of the no accountability, no discipline type thing. Like, I better be in. You'd think Eddie Lacy would show up for Bill Parcells or Belichick out of shape and not and not worry about I'm just going to get cut. I don't care how they don't care how good I did last year. Yeah, Eddie Lacy literally ate his way out of the league. Mm-hmm. Crazy. What's he doing now? Nothing, as far as I know. He did like a Nutrisystem commercial or something, didn't he? Didn't he do some diet commercial? Could and be. he dropped some weight. Or P9 Tony Horton P ninety X was offering to get him back in shape. It, it wouldn't surprise me if he, he's the starting running back for the Seattle Seahawks in Green Bay next week. I mean, they, they, they need guys. My God, that running back core is just decimated. Let's uh, let's kick off wild card roundup. Uh, Texans survive Buffalo 22-19 in overtime. This was a tale of two games. First overtime game in an AFC wild card game since 2012. We actually saw two OT games this weekend. Texans first playoff win since 2016. Buffalo's drought continues. They're now 0-6, their most recent win in 1995. Stevie, I guess the biggest question here is how impressed were you with Deshaun Watson and that ridiculous play that he made at the end of the game? How did he stay up? The second guy hit him up to spin off. 
It was no, I was crazy. listening to Chris. I, I was watching Chris Sims. He's a former quarterback. For people who don't, don't know, he used to be with Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He's he's uh, Phil Sims' son. So he does an excellent analysis, especially of that play, that he said it was the most magnificent and the worst play ever because Deshaun Watson at this point in his career still can't read coverage and defenses. Like he didn't know like that guy's on. I got two guys coming like unblocked. And I got to do something. Or I got to. I got to call an audible or kill, kill or whatever. Or you know, just call the call the you know protections. That's the word I was looking for. What happened was if if number thirty three, I think, was the first guy who hit him. If he had hit him, and the second guy didn't come up and stand him up with a shot, he would have went down. And Buffalo so, wins that game. Buffalo, but that's an, that's the tale. It might be a third game because I thought these people, I thought both teams for some reason at some point in this game were playing for the first uh, pick in the draft. They were trying <laughs> to lose the game. <laughs> it was a strange, strange set of circumstances. Buffalo did what what Jacksonville did in that game when they were going to beat New England. The second half, they looked like they were just playing not to lose. Yep. And you have these stats here. That, thank you again for putting it together. But the weirdest thing is 81 total plays by Buffalo, 65 plays by Houston. Time of possession, you would assume, just by those numbers. But to know they're flipped. Buffalo, I'll go to Houston, 36-25 in the game, time of possession. Buffalo, 35-15. I watched the game, and I was like, I could have swore Buffalo had the ball longer. How did that How, how does that, that possible? Happen? And, and that was one of those things that we saw all throughout the weekend – Coaching and time management for the for the playoffs at this point in the season, you would think that these coaches have this figured out. Sean Payton was even guilty of it. And it's like, dude, you've won a Super Bowl. The clock management at the end of that game was awful. And that's the only explanation here, too. Like, they were getting the ball, they were going to the line, and they were just going instead of letting that clock run. Yeah, especially with, uh, well, you can look at it two different ways. You know, you have... You know, have to choose some clock, but also you got to be aggressive. And they were neither in the second half. Yeah. And the whole thing, I thought it was over. And then when when they got the ball back, and I was like, oh my god, they're they're driving down. And then it was overtime. Then it was, this is crazy. Then at the what that Deshaun Watson play, you're going to get maybe one or two of those a game. They're going to probably win you a game. But also remember, this dude got hurt in practice. You know, and was out for almost a whole year. So. That could happen very easily during this run. He's not going to do that to the Ravens. If they get with the Ravens, they're going to kill him. He's not going to get popped up. He's not going to get popped up and spin off. There'll be a third guy there to dive at him and to do helmet to helmet, get the penalty, but he'll be out of the game. Yep, you betcha. Watson goes 20 of 25 for one touchdown. But the, the most alarming stat to me, number one, he had 14 carries for 55 yards. So that's 14 hits that he's taken. And then he was sacked seven times for a total of 28 yards. That offensive line, I know they went and they got Laramie Tunsil, and I know that Tunsil's not necessarily healthy at this point, but that offensive line is just awful. Yeah, I agree. Uh, the 14 carries for 55 yards, I don't recall him ever sliding. No. Nope. He's never figured that out. Like, like watch Russell Wilson. Nobody hits Russell Wilson because he knows how to slide. It's the same thing with, um, oh, I can't say his name now, the kid in uh, Arizona. Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray. He knows how to slide. He's a trained baseball player. 
You watch guys like Deshaun Watson. He's going in there shoulder first. He's trying to run over people. Let me ask you a question. Why aren't these quarterbacks that have any kind of promise to go to the NFL, like taking a trip or a couple of days a week or one day a week and going over to the baseball team at the local college or university and learning how to slide? Yeah. You, tall you or think? not, tall or short, whatever it is, learn how to slide. Yep, absolutely. DeAndre Hopkins, six receptions on eight targets for 90 yards. The thing that's crazy about that is I don't think he had a catch in the first half. They just absolutely shut down Hopkins. On the other side, Josh Allen goes 24 of 46 for 264 yards. He also has nine rushes for 92 yards. Oh, yeah, and he caught a touchdown, too, for 16 yards. At one point, he was leading Buffalo in passing, receiving, and rushing. Sounds about right. That kid's ridiculous. I remember watching him when he played at Wyoming. They came into Iowa City and damn near beat the Hawkeyes at Kinnick Stadium. What do you make of Josh Allen? Is this going to be sustainable for Buffalo? I didn't think I didn't think he'd get up after that hit he got. Thank God he dove first rather than getting the legs cut out from under him on that touchdown reception he got. Um Buffalo, I don't know. See, here's the thing. Just like Wyoming. Wyoming has a perception around it. That's why everybody's shocked that Josh Allen's doing so good. Buffalo, uh, which was potentially for around, what, six hours, the landing place for Antonio Brown during that trade <laughs> with the Raiders. Uh, and then it ended up being the, right before 4 p.m. and it ended up being the um, Patriots. The, the, uh, the Patriots. See, I, can't, I, have, I have trouble keeping track of that guy. The Buffalo Bills have a loyal fan base They're right up there with the Eagles, but like completely violent lunatics that hurt themselves, thank God, before others. Jumping through tables in the parking lot? And missing the tables. I did let me fly me up to Buffalo. Let me teach the Buffalo Mafia or the Bills Mafia some stuff. The whole thing with this, the Bills, maybe now it'll change if Brady doesn't stay. But as long as Brady's there, as long as Belichick's there, as long as the Patriots, who people think they are, people are going to avoid Buffalo, the Jets, and maybe even the Dolphins at this point. doesn't matter where it's at. It just seems like the, the AFC East is always going to be, you know, if the Patriots are still what they are, I'm not going to bother with that headache twice a year. Yep, absolutely. Devin Singletary also just kind of went off in this game. 13 rushes for 58 yards, six receptions for 76 yards. They just didn't have any kind of answer for that kid. I don't know. I, I don't know what to make out of Buffalo because I kind of feel like they're going to be the Chicago Bears next year. As soon as they actually have to play a good schedule after finishing second, it wouldn't surprise me to see them take a step back and only be a six or seven win team next year. So it'll be every other year they kind of like do better than expectations because their schedule will be a little bit softer. Yep. The Carolina Panthers never had a back-to-back -back winning season. Same thing. Fascinating. How do you think, how do you feel about the, the scheduling? Do you think that, it, um, because it's booked like a wrestling show, like Absolutely. the way they book the wrestling seasons. Uh, do you think it should be more random or more just general automatically generated? Because it could bring parity. Right now, it's like if you do really well next year, you're gonna we're gonna we're gonna try to make you lose as much as possible, which is okay, but it's not really fair. It's interesting. I, I guess I've never really thought too much about it. Um, that is an interesting concept, though. Um, as you look at all throughout the league, my biggest thing, and I have this issue with baseball in particular now, 
it used to be special when you would see the American League play the National League. It used to be special when the AFC would play the NFC. I would like to see them go back to keeping the two conferences very, very separate. So it's special when it comes Super Bowl time and you get to see an AFC team and an NFC team square off. I agree with that. I never, I didn't like when baseball did it. I didn't like when football did it. I don't know why it's not fresh by the time it happens. Yeah. Like say the Super Bowl ends up San Francisco and Baltimore. That was a fantastic game, but we've already seen it. Yeah. But then now they can have B-roll packages and lots of storylines to talk about all week. We didn't have, we didn't have so many talking head shows. So I'm convinced it's a, that's why they want to go to a 17, 18 game season because they need more uh, in the news cycle throughout the year. Yep, absolutely. Let's talk about the empire. The empire has fallen as the Titans top the Patriots 20 to 13. Mike Vrabel and Houston's Bill O'Brien, both from the Belichick coaching tree. They came in there and they beat Belichick at his own game this year. Ryan Tannehill goes eight of 15 for 72 yards. Eight of 50. They only threw the ball 15 times. One touchdown, one interception, two fumbles lost. No Tennessee receiver has more than two receptions. I tell you all of that, and you would think that the Patriots dominated this game. But, oh yeah, you have to run the ball as well. Derrick Henry, 34 attempts for 182 yards and a touchdown. I don't remember if it was on hitting the playoffs or if it was on HTM Sports. I predicted Derrick Henry was just going to run all over that New England defense, and that's exactly what happened. I think you, you you did it on this. You probably did it on there. Everybody predicted that probably. The the thing with this, yeah, you would think then you would also think this game would be like a nine six game, like those old like Ravens. Uh, whoa, who do they used to the Ravens Bengals? Just three field field goals in an entire game. This game, the storyline I was fascinated with was the fact, like I said last week. You know, Belichick doesn't know a whole lot about but the way Vrabel co- coaches and his culture. Vrabel knows all about Belichick, knows all about it. They've been watching it. And I love the, what we call in wrestling the receipt that Belichick was doing the false start and delay a game thing that when he was punting, they had good field position. They could back themselves up and ate up over two minutes. Vrabel did the same exact thing, and Belichick was hot. He was losing his mind. Because he realized, he's like, holy shit. Because he assumed when he said in the press conference that they would close that loophole in the rule, that they would do it immediately after he did it, not let it run for the whole season. Yeah. And he got it right back at him. I mean, you can't, I mean, for Bel- Belichick, such a true heel, you can't help but laugh. And Vrabel was smirking just like Belichick was when he did it. That's the biggest story of the game for me, outside of the obvious. To me, one of the biggest storylines of the game was the Tennessee special teams. Darius Jennings, two returns for 40 yards. But Brett Kern, guy whose name I'd never heard going into this week, six punts, four of them inside the 20, zero touchbacks. The Patriots had awful field position that entire game. Not sexy, not not something Jerry Jones would pay a lot of money for, but effective safe and effective as they say and also he better not be able to if this kid can talk you better look out pat mcafee you're gonna lose your show because he's got everything 
He's the next punter in line for a podcast. You betcha. Tom Brady goes 20 of 37, 209 yards, one interception. Oh, yeah, that happened to be the last play of the game, possibly the last play of his New England Patriots career. Sonny Michelle, 14 carries, 61 yards. God, it felt like they were just running Sonny Michelle into the freaking ground. And then I saw 14 carries for 61 yards. Seemed like he was a whole lot more of a workhorse than that. The perception of both these games, the the Texans and the Bills in this game, time time didn't seem to flow the way that that it was. Maybe because I watched too much Red Zone or something. But these games, they were exciting, but they felt like they felt like they were five hours long, and there was a lot more to them than this. Even though the overtime game happened, but once again, the numbers don't reflect like. Josh Allen, you know, you figured in an overtime game, he'd be hitting 400 yards and he'd score a couple of touchdowns. He'd throw a couple of touchdowns in this case. Yeah. Sonia Michelle, it felt like they ran more than they passed, but Brady tried to throw 37 times. Yeah. Weird. It's crazy. I was going to say too. Um, I totally forget. Jeez. Hey, that's so okay. You, I forgot uh, Kyler CT, Murray. So we'll have know. a CTE show soon. Yeah. But we'll I, I don't CTE. have an excuse, Stevie. That's the problem. I don't have an excuse. <laughs> oh, oh, this is what I wanted to say. If we can concentrate a little bit and focus a little bit on the last play of the game. And I'll just ask, I'll ask you first. Why would they do what they did when they could go to overtime? I don't know. I don't know. I, I was just absolutely baffled by that entire sequence. None of it made any sense to me. The, the play calling really throughout this entire game. Like at one point they they've got like they're down at the one yard line and they run three pass plays and then they just kick a field goal. Like you have the greatest QB sneaker in the history of the league. Just call the TB 12 sneak. And they didn't do it. Well, and they went for three, they did three runs on another drive yeah. and they were down inside the five. Yeah. Just, just call the TB 12 sneak. Conspiracy theory. I'm going to bring it up right now. Belichick makes him, what was it, uh, 12 seconds, 11 seconds left. They they were backed up into their end zone, like on the one or two yard line. They could have easily did a sneak and then gone to overtime or did whatever, you know, to get the ball from being a safety and also go to overtime. What you're telling me is three runs on, on, the, on the goal line, three passes. That's two drives right there that you could have got seven out of each of those. Do you think Belichick sabotaged Tom Brady? Well, I have another conspiracy theory. I wonder if Josh McDaniels sabotaged Belichick. Like, we, we keep talking about this narrative that Tom Brady could leave New England. What if Bill Belichick ends up leaving New England? We know that Josh McDaniels is this hot commodity. Everybody wants Josh McDaniels. If Brady's going to stay... Wouldn't it only make sense for Josh McDaniels to take over as the head coach of the New England Patriots? Who actually calls the offensive plays? It'd be McDaniels, right? So if you want to push that conspiracy theory a little bit further, do you think that Josh McDaniels and Robert Kraft are talking about getting rid of Belichick? Because if they if they keep Brady and he once again vetoes Belichick like he did during the Garoppolo thing, by the way, number one seed in the NFC and Belichick's got to be looking at that going, what the fuck? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I told you so. And maybe he is literally saying that to Kraft. Look at that. You know, and that could have been our opponent in the Super Bowl, and they could have crushed us and made me look, you know, made making you look like an idiot. So 
going back to the conspiracy theory, do you think that there's something going on with McDaniel, McDaniels, I always say McDaniel, McDaniels, Brady, and Kraft to make Belichick want to leave, quit, not get fired. You know, we're keeping Brady. We're signing him a deal. You're going to sign him, and it's going to be no hometown discount, by the way. Yep. I, I don't think that that is necessarily that unreasonable. I Robert Kraft already picked Tom Brady over Bill Belichick once. Would it surprise you to see him do it again? And if they move off of Brady, let's say Belichick stays in New England. Chances are Josh McDaniels is going to be gone. Tom Brady is going to be gone. Then look at that roster. What do you got? Who's your quarterback? Are, are you going to draft a rookie quarterback? Is Belichick going to go into the draft and draft one of these 15 top-tier quarterbacks? Overpay for like a Jake Fromm from Georgia? <laughs> I don't know, man. I do know. I do know that I wish Hard Knocks was at the Patriots this year. That would be incredible. Out of all the years, if you could let it be there now, let it be there now. You know, the Tom versus Time kind of gave us a little glimpse into something, but a Hard Knocks this year would be. And if it's there, you know Belichick's gone. Like if they say Hard Knocks at the Patriots, you know Belichick's leaving right there. That's your that's your point, your cue right there. Well, you bring up Tom versus time. It seems to me as I was watching that and as much film as Tom Brady seems like he just absolutely loves to watch. Is it unfeasible that Josh McDaniels takes over as the head coach of the New England Patriots? And when Tom Brady retires, he takes over as like a quarterback coach for the Patriots and he just moves from on the field to off the field. We know he's got a great working relationship with Josh McDaniels. We know how much Robert Kraft loves him. He wants Tom Brady to be a Patriot forever. He's the face of the franchise, even if he's just the quarterback's coach. Yeah, I mean, but Elway kind of proves that it doesn't mean that the transition into an office thing is necessary. And what kind of money is there there for being a quarterback's coach? Coaching is a long, hard day, a long, hard existence and if you're a quarterback coach, that means you're you're under the thumb of how many coaches above you. I think, see, this is the thing. Like, people talk about his wife and how they want to be in L.A. They want to be in a climate that she can, I mean, she gets flown first class on a private jet everywhere. She, I don't even know if she's modeling anymore, but supposedly she makes more money than him. And, and they can get anywhere they want with him, whatever, in total comfort. So living in New England has been fine so far. I don't know why they said that, that something's holding them back. Now, the TB12 thing in a, in a new age place like Los Angeles or in a warm weather climate like Miami, these are two potential landing spots for him and maybe Josh McDaniels. There's no saying there's no there's no saying that. They wouldn't just kick Anthony Lynn out on his ass because Tom Brady wants Josh McDaniels to coach the Chargers. There's yeah. a lot of different moving pieces here, and a lot of people, they're going to be dancing like marionette puppets for, for some people here. Way too early prediction. One of these two is in New England next year. Is it Tom Brady or is it Bill Belichick? I know it's stunning silence. That's okay. I'll underlay it. I'll underlay it with the Jeopardy music. I'd have to say because of contract money. 
and what he would demand that he's not going to do a hometown discount. Under those circumstances, Brady is gone and Belichick stays. And I don't know why in the world, by the way, anybody would trust Josh McDaniels to accept any job at this point and why he wouldn't stick around to be the head coach. This is that that was a stupid thing either way, because the Colts infrastructure and the Colts culture and Chris Ballard and what they were willing to offer was about the most perfect uh, plus Midwest values culture. You know, it, it would have been a really good place to be set up to go there. But, you know, I would I would have blacklisted him from any head coaching job. I'm going to stick with the conspiracy theory. I, th- I think Brady and McDaniels are back and I think Belichick is gone. It would have to be one or the other. Yeah, you can't I, I don't have, think they're both coming back. You can't have, you can't have, uh, yeah, both of them. You can't have the entire infrastructure. Now, the only way I would do it if I were, the only way Brady will stay is if, um, but he's been taking a hometown discount and they didn't give him any weapons last year. They, they can say, we gave you Antonio Brown, we gave you Josh Gordon. We can't help that they messed up. That could also be a conspiracy theory yeah. about Belichick. Oh, you want some? You want some diva receivers? Here you go. Oh, sorry, they're, you know, one's one's constantly getting busted for drugs. The other's getting busted for everything else. I don't know where all the money went on that team. Like, if Brady's taking a hometown discount, who'd they spend all the money on? They didn't spend it, dude. They didn't spend it. It's, it's that's just crazy to me. Let's talk about the Saints. Speaking of crazy. The Minnesota Vikings upend the New Orleans Saints. I said that was no way. There was no chance that was going to happen. If a six seed was going to win, it was going to be Buffalo. It surely wasn't going to be Minnesota. And then the Saints were like, hold my beer. This game goes into overtime as well. And Stevie, I, I want to start with the big last play. Did Rudolph push off on P.J. Williams? Yes and no. How's that for an answer? Yes, he pushed off. No, they're not going to call that. Well, it, that's the that's the whole thing, and it, this is like once again book like wrestling. The Saints in a playoff game at home, getting getting screwed. It's got to be it's got to be booked at this point. There's got to be some. Sean Payton had to like get drunk and call Alberto Riveron's wife a whore or something. There had to be something had to be done to piss. Somebody, especially Alberto Riveron, as Alberto Riveron, as a uh, as a uh, Pat McAfee calls him, did he push off? Yes, but here's the thing: when I was looking at it, I said to my wife, who's watching it, because she goes, "Wasn't that pass interference?" She saw the hand because I've been trying to teach her a little bit about that. The only thing I could think of is not the hand fighting so much going into the corner, but he pushed off with one hand rather than two. I to me, it's the full extension. To me, that a full that, extension, no matter if it's one or two. Yeah, to me, it's full extension, and that was a full extension. If, if you want to add to the conspiracy theory against the Saints, the real conspiracy theory here is the fact that they put in this rule where they can actually review this because of last year and what happened to the Saints, mm-hmm. and then this year they don't even review it. Like that could have been reviewed, and they didn't even review it. They didn't even say the call stands. It, no question, we're not even going to review that. And they tried. I, there's an official statement I read that sounded like a lot of bullshit about the, you know, physicality, the hand fighting or whatever. And yeah. they looked at it, and you got to review it. The game's on the line. It's overtime. It was overtime, right? Yeah, 
And I don't think it's a call that they even would have overturned because we, we've seen that time and time again throughout this season. And I've thought that it was pass interference every time. But they're not going to overturn the call, but at least take a freaking look at it. At least make it feel like you went through the steps, you went through the appropriate channels, because now New Orleans is going to be complaining about this all offseason again. Three years now. Yep, three years. Minneapolis miracle, what happened against the Rams last year, and now this year against the Vikings again. And they had a couple, if not more than two things during the season, didn't they? Yep, yep. So it's it's just one last thing about that is, yeah, it should have been reviewed. It should have been, once again, I don't understand like why the, why they don't pick an AAF, the Alliance American Football had the Skyview box, the Skyview judge, I think they called it. I'm sorry. Why don't they have somebody literally right, literally right there to watch it and see all the angles, but also be able to, con- I don't know, maybe it's just a technology thing. Someone's back in New York. It's fancy. They're at the headquarters, but it just doesn't make any sense to not have somebody at each game to do that. Cheap plug for HTM Tech, which airs on the Hitting the Marks podcast network at hittingthemarks.com. We actually talk about technology inside of sports on the episode that's going to drop on Thursday. And we talked a lot about that Hawkeye. Do you watch any tennis? No, I don't. They, they have this technology in the world of tennis. It's called Hawkeye. And what it does is it actually uses like Doppler radar to track the ball. Why can't they use that in the NFL? It, it well, they do have logical. The, they have the pylon cams. They have they have a lot of technology. You have the uh, the 360. I mean, you look at the the Amazon has all that uh, the next gen stat stuff. There's a lot of stuff. I'll tell you just a selfish thing that I've always wanted to do. I think we mentioned this before. I would love to 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 basically Wirecast is a company that does live streaming stuff for the Mac and Windows, but they also have a Telestrator. They have a Telestrator piece of hardware that runs off of Windows, which is why I don't want to use it. But there's a Telestrator to be able to go up. And I wanted to do it in wrestling. I always thought in pro wrestling to break down the techniques and break down all because it's the only thing I find enjoyable anymore is the mechanics and fundamentals, stuff like that. I wish we could bring that to this to literally, you know, I'll I'll find a way. I'll find a way to do it. I'll email a company. I'll try to get it. But to be able to bring it up on an Ecamm Live or something and just tell us straight and talk through the whole thing. Now, I don't have expert knowledge on football. We can always call somebody, have them look at it, and talk us through it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Be cool. Uh, New Orleans, while there was that play at the end of the game, they also didn't play very well throughout the game. They had eight turnovers on the season. They had two of them in this game against Minnesota, including the first fumble that Drew Brees had all season. Um And then there was the clock management thing. I don't understand what Sean Payton was thinking, especially there at the end of the game. When you have a timeout, they they get that false start penalty. All they had to do was call timeout. They would have had 21 seconds on the clock. Instead, they elect to keep the timeout, let the 10-second runoff happen, and then they don't even use the timeout. What were they thinking? There's some real, there could be a lot of conspiracy theories going around on different games here. Uh, why, and also, Drew Brees threw up that terrible pass at the end of the first half to have an interception. Yep. What was that about? Yeah. To, incredibly questionable decision-making by the Saints all the way around. Brees goes 26 of 33, 208 yards. 
on 26 completions? That doesn't seem very Drew Brees-like to me. One touchdown, the one INT, one fumble lost. This brings Drew Brees to 8-8 eight and eight for his playoff record. There has been a lot of people screaming because of this NFL 100 and the top 10 quarterbacks of all time, and Drew Brees doesn't make the list? Look at all the records that he has. The media is disrespecting Drew Brees. Or are the fans overvaluing Brees? 8-8 eight and eight for the playoffs? Well, the, the, the New Orleans Saints fans could say he got robbed out of a couple of those. That's maybe valid. three. <laughs> so, That's valid. And they will tell you all about it. That's their identity now. I mean, they, they, they should be able to use that. But where does that leave Breeze now? Where does that leave the Saints? Where does that leave Teddy Bridgewater, Taysom Hill? Because they were they were driving down the field with Hill in the game. I'm not saying I'm not saying that he should be a starting quarterback in and benched Breeze. But you needed him on the field, whether it's a wide out, a back, doing whatever, even quarterbacking to do a zone read. Do you remember that drive? They were driving mm-hmm. down using him on two to two plays, maybe three, and then they kept him out of the game. He was the best quarterback that the Saints had all day, without any question. And over the course of this season, I when Rick and I were doing HTM Sports, Teddy Two Gloves going off on this 5-0 and streak. And I was asking Rick, is it time? I mean, Drew Brees is 41 years old. Is it time to, to move off of Drew Brees and just go with Teddy Bridgewater? Brees comes back. He has the Bengals, and then he gets an off week. He comes out, and he just whips the crap out of the Bengals because the Bengals stink. And then after that bye week, Drew Brees was not that good. And now his contract's up. We talk about it with Tom Brady in New England. Is it time for the Saints to move off of Drew Brees and then re-sign Teddy Two Gloves? Well, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna defend Brees here personally, but I will defend the fact that that thumb injury may not sound like a whole lot to a lot of people, but it takes months, you know, to feel right again. And all you gotta do, throw, hit a helmet, do whatever. And the thumb's right back to where it is. Everybody's had hit their funny bone on the desk or did whatever. Imagine having that after a surgery and how long that's going to, and also hitting hard turf with tire pellets on it, <laughs> you know, even getting hit in practice or, or doing a handoff. And then the, um, the running back hits you in that thumb used to handing it off with your left to your right hand. And you got to hand it off with your left. There's all these different things that, that have very little to do with 41 years old, except, except the fact that his thumb may not have healed as quickly as they made you believe. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, The other thing that I absolutely question in this game, Alvin Kamara, seven carries for 21 yards. You're only going to give Kamara seven carries in a playoff game? I didn't understand that at all. And now Kamara can opt out, go for an extension as he enters the final year of his rookie deal. You're going to have to pay that kid. There's no way you're going to let him go. Yeah, and, and he didn't have any receptions either. He's a dual threat for them. That's the weird part. He's the, he's the safety valve. He'll do a wheel route and then just take it. Here's a conspiracy theory. We're throwing him out all over the place. Uh, he didn't appear to be in the game plan. Do you think that was something that they were doing on purpose to where they can get him for the best price possible? That's a distinct possibility. The other thing is, He's always Drew Brees' failsafe. I mean, he can throw that little swing pass to Kamara. The thing goes for eight yards. You take Kamara out of the game, it's a whole lot easier to move off of Drew Brees. 
but you didn't pursue that at all during this game, which was the playoffs, one and done. Yeah. I just want to give people, hey, if anybody's like, oh, my God, look at all these conspiracy theories. What are you talking about? DeMarco Murray, which every running back should watch DeMarco Murray. I'm sure Ezekiel Elliott, Ezekiel Elliott looked at his trend, what happened with the Cowboys, and said, no, no, not me. You're not going to do that to me, meaning that they ran the treads off that guy, and he was never the same. What was it, almost 400 touches that year? Maybe not, maybe more? And it just wore him down in the final year before he was going to ask for the big contract. Am I am I incorrect on that? Am I correct? Yep, you're absolutely right. And that, right. that's that's part of the reason why Zeke held out this year. And he was like, uh-uh, nope, you're going to pay me. And then I'll come back to work and I'll be your workhorse. But first, you're going to pay me. And I want a whole bunch of it guaranteed up front. And he hasn't been the same. Yep. <laughs> everybody's guilty in this in this case but that's what alvin kamara they, they could have not had him in the game plan for a reason a financial reason yeah that's that's a distinct possibility let's talk about the minnesota side of the ball let's actually talk about the winners Kirk cousins 19 of 31 242 yards one touchdown including the best pass of his life to adam thielen down the middle of the field he has seven receptions 129 43 yard long there at the end of ot but the real story to me and i had said this too dalvin cook 28 carries 94 yards Two touchdowns, but you look at the time of possession. Minnesota 36-56, the Saints 27-24. Drew Brees can't beat you if he can't get on the field. This was a masterful game plan by the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Kyle Rudolph at the end, the guy who pushed off but didn't, uh, had a great quote. He was very, very um, – not defensive. I'm trying to think of the right word. He, he came to basically Kirk Cousins' – defense uh all from all year long now here's my um what reading between the lines or what kyle rudolph said do you think he was talking to the other teammates like adam thielen and other people that have been known to butt heads with kirk cousins yeah that that very easily could be i because there was a lot that was a noisy locker room halfway through the season and then all of a sudden, Minnesota just kept caught fire. And it, it seems like that was one of those like players-only meetings where they were like, you know, hey, we, we got to figure this thing out. Minnesota, the second half of the season, they've been kind of scary. Yeah. Uh, speaking of scary, what about Stefan Diggs and the, the tantrums he was throwing on the sideline the entire time? Well, and I feel like his thing is he's just not getting the targets. And I've always liked Thielen. I don't know what it is about. Maybe it's just the fact that he's a white guy playing a wide receiver. You know, like we always had that thing with Jordy Nelson, too, where we always find that one white guy that shouldn't, he's just, he shouldn't be that good, but he is. And there tend to be small guys like, like uh, Edelman's one of those guys, too. Yep. Yep. They're not, they're not supposed to be number ones. I'll say this, though, his his backstory on the Thielen, though, he was going to be selling like dental equipment or something. And then he got he got his tryout. He was a walk on. Yeah. Practice I think from squad Minnesota. Guy. Yeah. So he's he's got a hell of a story behind him, too. I just think the Stefan Diggs thing is interesting because this is a guy not too long ago that wanted to be traded right before the trade, the trade deadline. Yeah. He wanted to be traded in. It's just it's just basically the same story. It, it comes off looking very. Antonio Brownish and other 
the other types of receivers that have become, you know, Terrell Owens, other people, that sideline thing where Kirk Cousins is trying to reason with them and then talking to him and telling him maybe be here and I'll throw it to you or whatever. And he doesn't want to listen. So could you see that being a Zimmer thing too? Could you see like Zimmer calling digs into his office and being like, sit down, shut the fuck up. We ain't going to do this here. I have no doubt he did that. I don't know if he did it now. I think he's, do you think, here's a question back to you. Do you think that Zimmer's going to send him a message by not targeting him at all next week too? I don't think so. I think they need all the help they can get next week. I didn't give them a chance in New Orleans. They got less of a shot in San Francisco, right? Yeah. Well, I will say this. He got a huge catch towards the goal line that made that counted. And you didn't see, you know, you got to blame, you got to kind of blame the, um, the, whatever was on NFL or NBC, whichever channel was on. Cause once they got that shot of him on him, uh, complaining, they couldn't help, but just stick, stay on Stefan Diggs. Then after he caught the pass, that was one of the biggest catches of the game. They never went to him again on the sidelines. You notice that? Yeah, they're they're pretty slick about that, trying to get as much as they possibly can on film. Like tell a story, yeah. Yep, absolutely. Oh, here we go. Targets. He has two receptions, three targets. Nineteen. I, I could have said I could have sworn. Yeah, he only had two targets, but three. Not much different. Awful, just awful. Especially when you're dealing with a Pro Bowl wide receiver like that. They got to find a way to get him involved in the game next week if they're going to stand a chance against San Francisco. But, but here's the thing. I'm just saying, I'm not saying they do this. I would want to win at all costs too, but didn't Mike Tomlin put up with Antonio Brown and want to win at all costs for a long time? So maybe Zimmer's looking at that going, I don't care if it's the playoffs. We're going to try to nip this in the bud and get it because maybe that was, maybe that was brewing all season long yeah. from the time he wanted to be traded. And now he's bitching all year round. I mean, is he do due for a new contract or does he just want to be traded? Not as far as I know. It sounds like he just wants out of Minnesota. And I always thought that was kind of an odd fit anyway. You know, like I, I realized Randy Moss started off in Minnesota and everybody remembers those years very, very fondly. Randy Moss was a pain in the ass in Minnesota and Minnesota was happy when Randy Moss went away. That, that, that whole Minneapolis area, they just don't put up with that shit. It wouldn't surprise me if Diggs isn't even in Minnesota next year. No, they could trade it. They could trade him and get some draft capital and get some other stuff in the offseason. It would be pretty good. Did you see New England going out and getting digs and suddenly Brady's got somebody to throw to? <sighs> Can't be any worse than Mohamed Sanu. It'd be hard to it'd be hard to say. I mean, that would be a Belichick thing too. Like yeah. if Belichick's not there, can you imagine Josh McDaniels having any kind of cachet with Stefan Diggs? Nope. None. Brady, maybe. Brady, maybe. I mean, yeah, but then Brady's got Brady's got other teammates that he'll have to play coach to too. He'll be have to be like Peyton Manning. That's what he'll have to be. Next thing you know, Stephon Diggs is living in Tom Brady's house. Not like we've ever yeah, seen that before. That was, I don't know if that was a good idea. Then you have a big painting of Antonio Brown on your wall. If you, he actually lived there, then you got to deal with the, the female painter and all the other stuff that we won't talk about. Allegedly. Allegedly. There we go. Stevie, we put it off as long as we possibly could, but we have to talk about your Philadelphia Eagles. And I, I will go ahead and preface this by saying I feel bad for you and every Eagles fan on the face of the planet. Carson Wentz gets taken out, what, like second series of the game 
we, we had said last week there were two things that he had never done. He'd never won a playoff game, and he'd never beat the Seattle Seahawks. That continues. Same score as November 24th, 17-9, Seattle tops Philly. Stevie, this was a hard game to watch just because you just genuinely felt bad for Philadelphia. Yeah, there's, there's a third thing, actually, in that, and that's uh, staying healthy for an entire year. <laughs> I hate to laugh about it, but, man, that hit on him, though not um, dirty, was illegal. You know, for them, say, incidental contact, it doesn't matter. It's still, he didn't give himself up as a runner. He was still going down. He was still going down, not sliding, but still f- going down and giving himself up. It was hard to watch, and Josh McGowan did what Josh McCowan, I pronounce it correctly, did whatever he could and actually had somewhat of a glimmer of hope here and there. Once again, their practice squad guys and the guys off the street played their hearts out, and it wasn't it wasn't a blowout. You know, they they worked hard. They tried. They kept them in the game. I think McCallum really thought he could he could quarterback draw it in that gap over to the left and get a first down or score a touchdown. But he's he's my age, so you can't do that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it wasn't too long ago that McNown was actually coaching high school football. You know, yeah, he was going back and forth from ESPN and even practice, wasn't he? Yeah, he was practicing for the Eagles and playing, and he was also coaching the football. Yep. Referee Sean Smith said this about the hit by Clowney: uh, He was a runner and did not give himself up. We saw incidental helmet contact, and in our judgment, we didn't rule it a foul. I agree with you. Um, I I think that has to be a penalty. I don't think that Clowney should have been tossed out of the game like they do in the NCAA. I don't think it was intentional. I don't think it was malicious. I think that's just kind of how it happened. But it absolutely should have been a penalty. Yeah, I mean, he wasn't targeting. Yeah. And that's no. another thing, too. I think there should they should bring targeting into the NFL. Yeah, I agree. Because there's a real – because you know you got two – You got I got two shots. And if I can get them on the first shot and take them out of the game – Whatever fine I get, we're going to the playoffs and or the Super Bowl. I can make that back. Yep. But to if Clowney was targeting him, which he wasn't, once again I say he wasn't. Uh, if he was targeting him, he's out of the game right then and there. And then we got a completely different game. Yeah, absolutely. Clowney is just an absolute monster. I still that looking in hindsight, twenty twenty. Houston moving off of Jadavion Clowney when J.J. Watt would end up going down just a couple of weeks later. It just looks like an awful move. But even at the time, I just I didn't understand that. You have that two-headed monster down there in Houston with Clowney and Watt. Why would you move off of him other than you don't want to pay him? But good God, just pay the man. Do you think do you think it was a personality conflict with uh management, with ownership? Because he he had he had taken, didn't he take uh he took off. He didn't like playing the ball games because he didn't want to get hurt, right? Before he right. got drafted. Yeah, he was kind of. Then a he got drafted. The then he got drafted. and He got hurt right away. Yeah. Right. So he didn't get the. He technically is like now he's finally getting started, in a way, in the past year or two, and he's actually, if this is scary, he's actually injured and has a a sports hernia or a core injury, and he slowed down. Now. Poor Josh McCallum would have been murdered if he was yeah. in full like capacity. And if he's if he feels better next week, man, that's going to be they're playing at San Francisco, correct? No, Seattle is at Green Bay next week. No, I'm sorry, Green Bay. Okay, yeah, yep. 
He's going to get Aaron Rodgers. He's going to get him. He's going to get him good, too. Uh, Seattle, seven sacks from six different players. That that Philly offensive line just got gobbled up by the Seattle defense, and I expect the same thing to happen in Green Bay next week. Let's talk about uh, the Seattle Seahawks. Russell Wilson. I want to bring up that sack thing real quick. I think a lot of those were garbage sacks on McCown. Yeah, just he just he had nothing and just kind of gave himself up in the pocket. Yeah, I don't think a lot of those were like you weren't you weren't you were not like causing distress to the quarterback. You know what I mean? Or getting to he just saw them and crumbled, and it, they needed a few plays to get him in rhythm, and that, those were sacks there that I don't think really counted. You got guys like Jadavion Clowney coming at you. You got like three seconds. And that, like best case scenario against the best offensive lineman, that guy gets going and, and you're just SOL. Russell Wilson, on the other hand, he can run out of the way. Uh, 18 of 30, 325 yards, one touchdown, leads the team with nine carries and 45 yards on the ground. Seattle as a team had a grand whopping total of 64 yards rushing. That means from everybody not named Russell Wilson, they had 17 carries for 19 yards. How in the world does Seattle win a football game when they only have 64 yards on the ground? I don't know. All I can think of is that Marshawn Lynch is a really good pass blocker <laughs> because he, he passed for 30 times, you know, and got 325 yards. Yeah. I, he was there as a, as a big body, and he did have one, uh, one pass uh, reception for a pretty big play down the sideline. Russell Wilson, to me, is the MVP of the league. I know Lamar Jackson is going to win the award, but when I think of most valuable player, where would the Seattle Seahawks be without Russell Wilson as that quarterback? Well, I mean, that can go one way. I mean, where would the Ravens be? Well, when I look at that division, I still think they'd be sitting on top of it. They'd be sitting on top of it. They wouldn't be as dominant without Lamar Jackson. Valid. They wouldn't be the, the, the odds the, on the, Super Bowl the Seahawks wouldn't be in the playoffs without Russell Wilson. So I don't I don't know how you do that. That's a whole discussion. Like, why is it always a quarterback? Yeah. I mean, you look at I, I mean, I'm trying to think of defensive players or wide receivers. I mean, you look at even um geez. Like, what if what Adam is Harry? Basically won Super Bowls and playoff games for the Patriots during the Brady era. I, I think you could make a case for Christian McCaffrey this year. That's they had nobody besides nobody. him. Yeah. Derrick Henry could also I mean, you got a lot of guys that break break rushing records or uh, the rushing champions and other things. It's just it's a stereotypical the MVP is always going to be the quarterback because that's the highest paid position. DK Metcalf. Sets a Seattle franchise record, seven receptions for 160 yards. It seemed like when Russell Wilson was in trouble, just throw the ball in DK Metcalf's general direction, and he will go get the football. Patriots had a chance to get this guy, didn't they? Yep. Yep. Who? Man. <laughs> How's that Nikhil Harry thing working out for you? Um, and man, I say that, and I have him on my fantasy team. Does Philly change anything this year? I mean, you guys were so beat up. All season, all the the list of injuries. Does Philly change anything? Or are you just happy that 2019, 2020 is over and we can focus on 2020, 2021? Well, you put in the notes, uh, did they change anything other than their conditioning? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I I, I think the uh, injuries, uh, the, the, the whole staff there, as far as the conditioning team, 
might need a, a, a bit of a look at. You you think a lot of the injuries are based upon? I'm 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 just asking. Do you think that the injuries are based on a lack of preparation by the strength and conditioning team? That's what I'm wondering. I mean, because especially when you look at that wide receiving core, there's a lot of lower body injuries on that staff. That it's just like to me, that's strength and conditioning, right? Well, we don't know. Yeah, I mean, we don't know if, uh, you know, if Tom Coughlin was there, we would know that they were fined $700,000. <laughs> but what I'm saying is, do you, do you, do you think at the earlier parts of the year when they weren't, when the offensive line was letting Carson Wentz get sacked and just standing there and not helping him up, that there was no control of the team and everybody was doing their own thing and they weren't going to treatment. They weren't getting properly warmed up. They were missing practices. I'm just saying that, like, for all, yeah, it could be the strength and conditioning, but it could also be a, a failure of the culture of accountability that guys were just doing whatever they wanted and they paid the price. Yeah, that that very well could be. And I, this brings up an interesting conversation because Philadelphia is one of those teams that absolutely comes to mind. If Bill Belichick is not going to be in New England next year, where could you see him as a head coach? And would you move off of your coaching staff to bring in Belichick? That's an interesting question. I don't know if you would. I don't know if you would give up on Doug Peterson. I don't know if they would or not. His coaching style, I, I and the way they have everything dialed in with the coaches and everything. I, I don't know. I mean, you were kind of. I was kind of like when it's kind of like when McCarthy got the job is like I was when Doug Peterson got the job. He's an Andy Reid guy. He's so-so, but then, the, the I mean, he's very aggressive. He plays, I mean, he plays, or coaches, I'm sorry, and calls plays like a Philly coach would do, like go for broke. Where this is our chance. We're going to take it or we're going to go down, like, you know, swaying. Belichick, trying to think where he would go. I mean, because it, he would have to go to a contender, right? Like he's not going to go somewhere like Miami or Cincinnati. <laughs> I got the place. I got the place. No, 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 no. Where does he go? Cleveland. Back to Cleveland. GM and coach. If that happens, I, I've been saying for a while, I want hard knocks with the Cleveland Browns next year. I need Bill Belichick and Baker Mayfield. I need to see those interactions. I think that would be fascinating. Here's a crazy thought. Belichick and Brady go to the Browns. <laughs> I mean, we're just kind of throwing stuff out there. These are all interchangeable parts that are possible. Well, the the other one, if they're both going to go somewhere together, the Los Angeles Chargers, right? They're getting ready to go into that big new stadium. They can't sell a PSL to save their freaking life. They got to move some tickets. Well, Belichick and Brady would do that for the ownership, but the GM is very stingy, and are they going to get rid of the GM to have Belichick replace them? They have two open spots in Cleveland. Yeah, There's a story there. You talk about a story, uh, uh, I mean, beyond anything, and you Cleveland fans would go nuts. I'm not even talking about Brady going as much as just Belichick going back to Cleveland after, what is it, got to be 27 years? Yeah. 92, 93 or something like that. Yeah. Something like that. God, they would lose. I mean, don't quote the comments will tell us, I'm sure very vehemently, but, but really think about that. You talking about one spot that's already two spots that are open for full control 
And I mean, if, if the, whatever, what's the name of the Haslam. Haslam, if the Haslam does what Kraft does and sees that Kraft, it worked, you have complete control of the football operations. Wow, that actually makes a lot of sense. You don't think OBJ would want to stay? You don't think all these problem these problem cases and other teams that Belichick couldn't handle this team that is you don't think you can handle Baker Mayfield and say, I want a Super Bowl with Tom Brady or six of them and I didn't get credit for it. I'm gonna take this kid, this undersized kid, and I'm gonna want a Super Bowl with him and bring it to Cleveland. Talk about a personality clash. God, I would love to see that. That could be an awful lot of fun awful lot of fun i never thought of it until i was just thinking down the line and it it actually almost makes sense yeah it really does i i kind of like that as the number one contender for the new head coach of the cleveland browns right now because mccarthy's in dallas and he was yep. the number one guy for the browns absolutely and they need a gm and they're waiting to fill the coach's position i know we keep expounding on this they said we're going to fill the coaching position before the gm position why haven't they done it yet they might be waiting to see how this whole Brady thing shakes out. And we, we have heard the rumors of Josh McDaniels, right? So you could see, like, Haslam calls up the New England offices and he gets Robert Kraft on the phone. And he says, hey, we would like to interview Josh McDaniels. And Robert Kraft says, hey, I got another idea for you. How about, how about you take Bill Belichick? Yeah. Well, there's a real case. This could some of these Some of these things we're talking about also – because they were talking about it in Dallas where they were going to try to trade, do the, the Gruden style mm-hmm. trade with money for Sean Payton. Yeah. Which could, I mean, it's not going to happen now, but Jerry could also <laughs> reverse and say, now that the playoffs are over, maybe I should do that. The Pats he can need always picks. change his mind. Pats need picks. I could see, I could absolutely Pats need picks see And it. Cleveland has some too, right? Yeah. They've got a bunch of them. I guess who else it. has got, yeah, well, they have the other landing place, but it wouldn't be for Belichick, would be for Brady, would be Vegas. Yeah. God, they those guys are loaded. Gruden's got so many picks. It's absolutely ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And they need to fill a stadium, and they're in Vegas, and it's sort of, sort of still close to L.A. Could you see I that? Mean, Could you see Brady and Gruden together in, in Las Vegas? Would you watch it? Oh, hell yes. Even if, it imploded, it. even if it imploded after a year. That'd be great television. You betcha. Well, what you got there is like with, with, with Gruden, you got something that's probably easier for him because he's not going to draft a quarterback. He's not going to groom a quarterback. He's not going to bring one along. He's always done best with veteran quarterbacks. You're talking about winning the Super Bowl with Rich Gannon. Yep. And, and well, Brad Johnson, I'm sorry. Rich Gannon was at the Raiders. He, it was Brad Johnson in Tampa Bay, right? Yes. Brad Johnson. Yes, I These are so. guys that have been around the league forever and nowhere near the talent of Brady. He literally could just be like, go out and do your thing. Do whatever you want. He like, doesn't even have to coach him. Does anybody throw a more beautiful bubble screen than Tom Brady? And look at who you have. <laughs> oh, man. That roster. That ro- and he doesn't like Derek Carr. We know that Gruden's ready to move off of Derek Carr. That makes a lot of sense, too. Well, here's we can go down the rabbit hole because wouldn't it be something if Belichick could coach Derek Carr to a Super Bowl? And then wouldn't that make Bray make it look like I get just like the Baker Mayfield thing? Even Jared Stedham, whoever it is, I can take any quarterback to the Super Bowl within my system. 
you would think that before thinking that Brady won the Super Bowls for Belichick, it's it's actually more of a possibility that Belichick could win a Super Bowl without Brady. Yeah, I agree with that. And he'd have more credibility. Yeah, it doesn't even matter. I mean, you won six Super Bowls. What are you going to say? You got 49% and he got 51. I mean, who gives a fuck? I mean, right. six Super Bowl rings. Six more than we have. Look, I just got this silicone band <laughs> off Amazon. But I still like This is my favorite ring. Let's talk about the uh, games coming up this weekend, Saturday. The first game is going to be Vikings at 49ers, 3.35 Eastern time on NBC. San Francisco by seven is the spread. Stevie, can Minnesota do anything to beat the San Francisco 49ers? Because you, I said in New Orleans, if they can control the clock, they can run the football, they can beat New Orleans. I don't think they're going to be able to run the football against San Francisco. I don't know how they're going to get anything past that line, <laughs> running or passing. Yeah, maybe they try to take out Nick Bosa. Like you put in like your eighth string running back and you're like, go helmet to helmet Nick Bosa and hope it works. It's about your only possible hope but they've had a week off too they've had a week off too so they're pretty healthy outside of concussion protocol i don't see anything putting like putting the vikings in this game but as kirk cousins been vindicated now will he come back next year uh without i mean he's done after next year no matter what i don't see them renewing his contract no i don't either but don't do you see them trading him if they lose is anybody else going to pay kirk cousins 37 million dollars a year He's not at 37. I think he's only at, isn't his last year 31? Oh, is, does it go down? I think it was, no, no, it was, no, he got, he got 20. I think it was 84 million guaranteed over three years. I think it was like a 28, 29, 31 or something like that. First year was 28. Second year was more, he got more each year, but he, but it was a lot of money then. Now it's a complete bargain. Yeah, that is a bargain. Whatever his third year is, if you need, listen, Miami for one year, Maybe if they, if they, especially if they draft, maybe, maybe Carolina for a year until they figure it out. Maybe Jacksonville, even though they're paying falls 20, 25 million. Chicago, if they finally decide they want to move off of Mitchell Trubisky. True. I could see that. Hey, here's an interesting trade. Trade uh, Kirk Cousins for Nick Foles. Would you do that? Would an RP, who can run an RPO? better you can run an rpo better in cousins yeah well that yeah that's that's absolutely certain well john d filippo is now in jacksonville that was the guy who was the quarterback's coach for the for the eagles so i don't think Foles is going to jump around anymore i think he's done where he wants to just be with his family he wants to finish it out and then whatever after that it's going to be interesting to see what jacksonville does because they seem like they really really like themselves some gardner Minshew. If somebody comes calling for Foles, maybe he just says, I'll retire, don't trade me, and then leaves. Yeah. And then there's also guys like, you know, Cam Newton's going to be out there. Phillip Rivers is going to be out there. There's a lot of quarterback possibilities this year. And then it's a very, very deep quarterback draft. It's going to be interesting to see what a lot of these teams do. Uh, Titans. Uh, I got Citizen Slim here real quick. Uh, Carolina signed uh, Matt Rule. The Hmm. The Baylor coach. I'm assuming for head coach. 
I'm assuming he's not going to be a quarterback, quarterbacks coach. It'll be interesting to see how that Big 12 high-powered offense, if it's going to translate to the NFL. I mean, we saw this with Chip Kelly in Philly, and it just didn't work. Oh, Jesus. Outside of giving them just the blend tech blenders with smoothies in the morning, I don't think anything after that was uh, necessarily good. But I didn't mean to cut you off. You're talking about the Texans Chiefs. Uh, Titans at Ravens is actually oh, I'm the sorry. second that game I skipped Saturday. over. See? Yep, Titans at Ravens, 7-15 Eastern Standard Time on CBS. Baltimore by nine is the spread. And the question is, can Derrick Henry go in there and run the football against that Baltimore defense? I don't think so. I think this thing ends up a blowout with Baltimore over by like three touchdowns. I, I'm There might be one wild card thrown into this. I think, I think there's a possibility that Mike Vrabel will be active and play. <laughs> Because he looks like he's ready to get in there. Yeah, yeah, he does. He he might be their best odds against Lamar Jackson. Maybe they yeah, throw They can go over and talk to the Buffalo sideline. Be like, hey, what's that defense that you guys ran against uh, Baltimore? Because uh, we we need some of that. Yeah, he can always go out and be eligible as a receiver at a goal line thing. I'm sure Brady could have used him last game. Yeah, that's that's for so, yeah. damn sure. I, I don't know how this is going to play out. This is once again. I like to see Ryan Tannehill do really well in this game, but I, I don't see anybody outside of the 49ers stop. Maybe well, maybe the Chiefs, but I don't see any, I don't see the Titans stopping the Ravens no. by by uh, no way. They play field goal ball, I call it, yep. more times than anything. And the Ravens now are you got to put up 30 or 40 to beat them. Well, I mean that that could be the only hope. I, I have no idea what the weather forecast is for Baltimore this weekend, but if it ends up being like a, a bad, blistering, cold weather, winds blowing, there's sleet coming down, that might be the Titans' only logical way to, to to beat Baltimore if they can just take the ball out of Lamar Jackson's hands and just run Derrick Henry down their throat. And it's been that way. Baltimore's had some of the worst weather in the past month. Every time I see it, it's like super rainy, some a little bit of sleet, this and that. It's it. They haven't had good weather. It's not a good place. Like the Patriots would hated playing there in the mm-hmm. playoffs or championship games. I'm sure the Titans, they're not far from me. So our kind of cold weather is kind of like in the in the 40s. <laughs> so they're not. Yeah, they're gonna. It's going to be hard, but I'm sure I see if I were Vrabel and it's kind of hard because it's a long season. I would have practiced in Baltimore or somewhere in the area to get used to the weather. Yeah. Somewhere where the weather just absolutely stinks. I hear they can go to Foxborough. There's nothing going on there this week, Uh, but let's talk about Sunday, Uh, Houston at Kansas city. This is a three Oh five kickoff on CBS, Kansas city favored by nine and a half points, which I find a little bit ironic because the Texans have already won in Kansas city this year, going back to October 13th, Texans 31 chiefs, 24 time of possession in that game. Texans 39 minutes and 48 seconds to Kansas City's 20 minutes and 12 seconds. Carlos Hyde, 26 carries, 116 yards on the ground. Chiefs, 192 yards on the ground in that game. What do you think, Stevie? Does Houston stand a chance going back into Kansas City? It's awful hard to win in the same place twice. If that time of possession is um, identical, and that, that tells the story right there for people that are looking and saying, well, how in the world did they have it twice as long, but the score was 31 to 24. The Chiefs had, their only thing that I could say is a negative is they have a habit of scoring too quickly. 
yep. putting the defense, which isn't that great to begin with, out on the field. And then as the game goes on, they're on the field so many times that they're tired. So a, a defense that's already not elite, and then, trust me, as somebody that they could kick both of our asses. So let's make that clear. <laughs> like I throw a pick against the Chiefs defense. I don't think I'm better than them. But you put them out on the field, anybody gets tired after a while. And that's that's what it is. I think Andy Reid, though, he's so – we talk about defensive coaching. that He's the ultimate offensive coach. And he seems to sometimes, I think, is that guy still there, the defensive coordinator, the Bob something or Bob Bush or what's his name? You never know who it is because it's Andy Reid. Yeah. It's kind of like who's the offensive coordinator because they, they actually have one for the Chiefs. Eric Bien- Even though Andy Reid calls the plays. Eric Bieniemy, I actually know yeah. that one. Um, I Let's talk about the other elephant in the room. You bring up Andy Reid. Andy Reid has lost a lot of playoff games that he should have won. Does Andy Reid need a Super Bowl? Oh, 100%. To be mentioned in that upper echelon of coaches? I mean, he, he, how many games did he just screw off there in Philly? With the with the Patriots, yeah, five, five NFC championships, one Super Bowl, and all losses. And it, the funny thing is about Andy Reid, yeah, he doesn't mean to need to be, he won't lose his job if they don't get to the Super Bowl. But with Brady being out, with Belichick being out, with the Patriots being out, and with the, you know, with the Eagles or anybody else that was basically past Super Bowl champions, now it's the new era. You look at everybody right here, outside of, say, Kirk Cousins, you and even Tannehill to some extent, it's all essentially, you know, new quarterbacks from the past two to three years. It's like the new generation. You get you were getting to see the Brady's, the Mannings, the Montana's, whatever you want to call them. This would solidify their dynasty as starting in people's eyes. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like you see Patrick Mahomes, and if you don't win it this year, that's one last I mean, this kid, after a while, you don't know how many years you're gonna have with him because he started out with the ankle injury game one. And I do believe that stunted his stats yeah because it wasn't a 50 touchdown season this year no no it's been a rough year for Mahomes and the Chiefs especially in Kansas City for one reason or another like Arrowhead is not nearly the scary place that it used to be yeah but when you have somebody that can that runs like that and it starts to get like bone chilling cold and your ankle is killing you yeah and also I mean you don't know if the offensive line is hurt you don't know if uh there's other stuff going on I do believe that the Chiefs, the Ravens, if they win it, they know they got a bunch more ahead of them. If they lose it, they got a bunch more ahead of them. I think the Chiefs' sense of urgency is a little bit more profound. I think the Texans' are sense of urgency, too, we talked about earlier. Um, though Sean Watson isn't progressing mentally along as far as his football IQ and reading, reading protections and coverages and all that stuff. He can only do so much. He could very much end up like, um, let's think of a quarterback that, that do like RG3. Yeah. You know, he's already got a major knee injury already. So all these things, like, hey, where's RG3 go after this year, by the way? Do you think he's going to be a, a starting quarterback somewhere again? I think he should stay right where he is. I think I he is the perfect backup to Lamar Jackson. I think he see, if he watches anyone, he should have watched Nick Foles and said, I have a shot. I have a system. And I'm I'm good here. 
he never he didn't have a stable career up until now. Yeah. I think he needs to stay. And if something happens to Lamar, which is not unquestionable, the way that that kid plays football, he's the next guy up, and who knows what happens. Yeah. Washington's going to be watching, too. <laughs> what a rib. Man, we'll sign him. He, he, he didn't even have to move or anything if he still lived in the area. Let's talk about the game I'm going to be watching. My middle daughter was actually born in Seattle, and so, by default, she has been a Seattle Seahawks fan her entire life. And the, her Seahawks have broken my Packers heart many a times when it comes to the playoffs, but not this year. Because this year, we're in Green Bay, we're not in Seattle, where all kinds of crazy things happen. And there's one thing Russell Wilson cannot do, and that is win at Lambeau Field. Seattle has lost their last eight in a row at Lambeau. It's going to be cold. It's going to be blustery. This is going to be when Russell Wilson beats the Packers. That's what's going to happen, and we all know it. <laughs> Green Bay is not that good. They are not a 13-win team. They're a 9-win team that somehow won 13 games. I. The only question is, does Seattle have the firepower? Because they are beat up. And if, if Russell Wilson and Beast Mode are going to do it, it's going to be the two of them because you can absolutely run on this Packers defense. I'm very, very worried. I'm very worried that Aaron Rodgers is going to get a good, healthy dose of Jadavion Clowney. I'm worried about this one, Stevie. I'm, I'm kind of leaning Seattle, even though it's Green Bay by four. May have to agree with you uh, because of everything you just said. And don't forget, you talked about bubble screens. Who's to say you can't just bubble screen it out to uh, DK, DK Metcalf or run some run some jet sweeps with him or anything like that and get him going? Yeah, you know you can you can add a few more other things. Uh, to Michael Turbin's back, so you can bring him back. Put Lynch in as a fullback. <laughs> you can do a bunch of different things. You know, there's Pete Carroll's going to think of a lot to do, and Russell Wilson's going to be allowed to do what he's allowed to do. I mean, even if you just like you said, even if you just go with the running game and you do some zone reads and you have Wilson slide after about eight yards a few times in the game, you're good. Yeah, keeps keeps that defense honest and that Green Bay secondary is just not very good. Well, there you go right there. And uh, who do you have? Um, Hollister is their tight end as well, right? In mm -hmm. Seattle. Yep. So you have a pretty decent tight end that can that can go out and for the short across the middle passes. Another guy who should have been a Patriot. Oh, well, let's not forget about Tyler Lockett. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's crazy. <laughs> Forgot about him because the, the Metcalf could be double covered and then you got Lockett. And then if you want to check down, you got Hollister, a potential Patriot, by the way, as you mentioned. <laughs> You're not making me feel better here, Stevie. I think I'm going back to the sabotage thing because Belichick could have got he could have got DK Metcalf. He could have got how many how many tight ends? Didn't they have a chance to get Kittle? Well, they had a chance to get Kittle a couple years ago. They could have gotten Noah Font this year. Um, I absolutely expected that they were going to trade up and get TJ Hawkinson. I I don't know. I don't know. But you know, when you look at the Patriots and while Bill Belichick is a freaking genius and nobody denies that when you look at his drafts he is not very good at evaluating especially wide receivers running backs and tight ends over his entire tenure in New England the only all pro offensive player that they've drafted not named Tom Brady was Rob Gronkowski 
they as they as they saw in Cincinnati or in Cleveland for Cincinnati, he needs to compile information. <laughs> I mean, I'm joking, but all joking aside, right? I think that's his reclamation model or compiling information on somebody and seeing their flaws on other teams and then being able to do what he does within his system. You're right. I mean, maybe that's why they don't care about giving up draft picks sometimes for like certain players or Antonio Brown or other people or some new because they know, hey, the draft doesn't mean nothing to us at this point. We got, but they got to think about maybe drafting a quarterback this year. Yep. Got to yep. think about that. Do you think Stedham's the answer? I don't. I don't think so. Even Absolutely the, not. Somebody said he looked good. And like he looked. I don't. Didn't he throw like a? I didn't he throw a pick on the first pass he was in, and they took him right back out and put Brady. I was going to say what he he looked good walking up and down the sidelines carrying a clipboard. Which being a backup quarterback is still more money than the average person makes. So good for him. Hey, Aaron Rodgers made that a living for three years underneath a Brett Favre. You know? Josh McCallan is still making it a living to this day. So yeah, keep, keep holding that clipboard, Jared Stedham. If that's your name. That's going to wrap things up for this week's show. Thanks for listening. And if you haven't yet, please hit that subscribe button. Then visit the entire HTM podcast network online, hittingthemarks.com, or just search Hitting Marks on your favorite podcast listening device. Visit us over at Hameen Media Online, hackerhameen.podbean.com, for more from myself as well as Big Stevie Cool and our friends on the island of Misfit Toys. Visit getacregold.com backslash horseman for your chance to win some gold to either build yourself some Mandalorian armor, maybe you want to make yourself a championship ring just to rub it in the face of the Dallas Cowboys. You can find me across all social media platforms at NotJargo. Stevie, how do the peeps, the freaks, and the geeks find you? I can go to stevierichardsfitness.com. As far as YouTube, just search Stevie Richards. Please subscribe. Click the bell to get notified there. Also, uh, breaking news, Giants have interviewed Jason Garrett, which proves they're making it like a wrestling angle right there. And then, yep, Giants interviewed Jason Garrett. Thank you, uh, Twitchy Retard in the chat room. I didn't, that's, they made that name up. I didn't, but it's, it has Twitch in it, so that's fine. All right. Oh, other than that, Instagram has a, well, I shouldn't even read that comment. Uh, all right. <laughs> I'm putting it up. So I'm putting it up so people know it wasn't me. I'm, I, direct quote right there. There's the comment there. Okay. Instagram at Stevie Richards. Also, uh, in the description for all my YouTube videos. Uh, we have some affiliate codes you can use as well, uh, especially if you want to shop Amazon. Uh, bookmark that link. Use that for your shopping. It helps uh, buy cool stuff like Apple, which Ricky Treves said has sweatshops in China. So there you go. Good stuff. The fact that people actually thought that that was a shoot and that the whole thing wasn't written by producers and approved is just baffling to me. It's it's borderline. I, I called it ritual hazing every year, like a roast. Yeah. That's what it seems like to me. I'll be back later on this week for an all-new edition of HTM Sports, as well as the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast. You can catch Stevie over at Vince Russo's The Brand, as well as Friday in the Locker Room, and of course, the Conspiracy Horseman right at Hami Media. We'll talk to you next week for a preview of the AFC and NFC Championship Games, but for now, we're off like a prom dress. See ya!